nice article in the Managing Madrid uh, blog. They're wonderful lads that do a great job there. And worth reading about that man there. Karim Benzema needs to rest and the numbers reveal why. Times ended up almost looking like a 6-3-1. Some very good writing about that on the Managing Madrid website. Frustrate podcast as well. Of course, Pere Valverde was a huge part of the equation. Hello and welcome to a Monday edition of the Managing Madrid podcast. I'm your host, Kian Sabani. We are joined by Lucas Navarrete. Two days after Real Madrid lose to Villarreal at Ceramica, a game which Lucas was at, and I don't know what's happening. Two days later, everything's falling apart. Got to sign this player and that player. We got to sell this player. Alaba's injured. Chuameni's injured. And uh, everything's falling apart. So Lucas and I are here to give you some therapy. Lucas, how you doing, man? Hey, Kian, I'm doing fine. You're right. It seems that uh, it hasn't been an easy start to the year for for Real Madrid so far, not even to the year, but also to the to the post uh, World Cup break, because I don't think the the first game against Valladolid was that ideal. Either we can discuss and talk about these things in in a minute. Well, uh, I'm just kind of used to the fact. I, I know it's not acceptable to have these standards if if you want to um, frame it that way. But this is, I feel like, just Real Madrid. A regular day in the life of Real Madrid, they're struggling against <clears throat> against any team in La Liga. Um, you were at Ceramica, yeah. Tell us about that atmosphere experience. I was a bit disappointed with the overhaul of the of this stadium. You know, I was mm. I read many things about how it was supposed to create a new uh, experience for the for the fans. Maybe even so, also for the journalists and all that. And pretty much the only thing I saw was, uh, you know, this new yellow color covering the whole stadium outside and inside. But press area pretty much looked the same. The press room looked the same. The door wasn't even changed. It was it was one of these very old doors, cracking and <clears throat> and making funny noises when you try to open them. So I was unimpressed with uh with the work they they did uh, so far i think they would have and could have done a much better job had they put uh, obviously some more effort and will and also some some more money i i look at for example levante's stadium and i think they've they've done a much better work with these renovations than what villarreal did although i have to admit that it it does look fancy on the on the outside and also the inside but apart from that the the general experience is 100% the same it was. So what you're saying is the renovations were essentially just a big yellow umbrella <laughs> on the stadium? Mm, that's basically what I'm saying. Yes, correct. <laughs> you know, press again, press area was pretty much the same it was. Uh, the, the floor was the same. The tables were the same. And the same can be said about the, the press room on the press conference room, mixed zone, pretty much the same as well. So yeah, they, I don't, I, I struggle finding what else they change apart from, from this uh, new yellow color. And yeah, it's true. They, they changed the whole, every single one of their, of their seats. But apart from that, it's, it looks pretty much the same to me. Yeah. Did you have any insights being there that you found maybe things off of off camera any observations that you think maybe was missed from us watching home on TV or was it pretty much everything that you you read? 
Uh, you mean about the stadium or about the game itself? The game, the game. Oh, yeah, yeah. The game itself, no, not really. I, I thought it was a, a fairly standard and, and game of Real Madrid in El Madrigal in, in Villarreal's stadium. I thought the main thing that caught my eye was uh, the struggles Real Madrid had a little bit tactically with uh, with that right flank. That right flank looked a little bit like a mess with Valverde and, and Militao, although in my opinion, Militao individually, his performance looked fine to me. He played well individually, but again, tactically, I think the team was a bit of a mess. Uh, also in the midfield, but especially on the, on the right flank, I think that Real Madrid were attacking you know, this is obviously a trend every time Real Madrid play that they focus so much on the left wing. But I thought it was uh, too too much of that uh, of that issue against Villarreal on on Saturday. So these struggles in the midfield to a many not not being in a very not being very good uh, positioning wise, in my opinion, during the game. I I thought. You know, in particular play with when Baena shot from distance, I thought it was during the first half. He wasn't covering that uh, that second line, Villarreal's second line, uh, in that kind of shot. So I think two many and and uh, the right flank and Real Madrid's right flank are the two things that probably caught my eye a little bit more. I don't know if you know the guys on watching the game on TV pretty much uh, saw the same thing, but I'm guessing they they did, yeah. Yeah, this was uh, basically a universal talking point after the game, and Matt and I discussed in the post game podcast that yeah. night too that. You're not getting enough from production from the right flank, which has been a trend for the last few games, really after the World Cup, because before the World Cup, Fede Valverde was on fire, right? And so we need we need to have, I guess, some patience with Fede to work him back into form after the World Cup. And then also just the fact that we're praying that what he did on the right wing was not an anomaly because we don't have a, like years of sample size of Fede Valverde as a right winger. We have a small sample size in his career. It's a few games to start the season. Uh, so we're just praying that that was a stretch that he can continue for a long period. I believe that he can. We'll see. Uh, and then just the fact that, you know, you mentioned Militao at right back. He's fine in that position. Like a lot of people think that that's a solution. I'm not saying that you can't play him there, but you can't play him there as the right back every game as the, as the quote-unquote solution. You want to rejuggle, do some 3-5-2 action with him and, and Rudiger and even Mendy at left center back, that's that's a viable option. But I don't see Ancelotti just flipping the tactics all of a sudden to do that. Um, and at right back, he's he's fine. But he, like, and I don't blame him for this, but, like, he got into attacking positions about three times or so by my notes and, like, as a clear, like, attacking right back in, in rare moments, he had that one where Benzema plays an incredible one-touch through ball to him on the right side. He's, like, right point blank in front of Pepe Reina. And great goal-scoring position or a cutback position. And he just kind of fluffs it. And I don't expect him, to be honest, it's not his game. Like, i do not going to get mad at him for that, for not converting that chance or having an assist in that situation because that's not really his game. So in those moments, you need someone who's more calculated and, and more used to getting into the attack. I wanted to ask you this. When was the last time you can remember Real just fullback situation being so dire offensively? In other words, when was the last time we had 
two fullbacks who can't attack? <laughs> I have to th- I have to think a lot because you know back in the day when when Arbeloa was playing and Quentrao was starting some games, Quentrao was much more of an offensive threat than than Mendy is at the moment. So maybe the days where Hainze was playing on the left and Mitchell Salgado was playing some on, on the right during his last yeah, tenure in Madrid, obviously. Old Salgado. Obviously. Yeah, young Salgado, young Salgado was attack. a beast. Yeah. Was a beast, yeah, absolutely. But this old Salgado, I'm talking about his last two, three seasons in the club, playing in the same team as Hainze, maybe this is the, the closest I can, I can remember, I think. Because again... Arbeloa was obviously a Mendy type of uh, of wing back in the sense that he was very solid defensively, but not much of a threat offensively. But he was even when Marcelo wasn't playing and Quentrao was Quentrao was much better offensively than 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 Mendy, I think. I love Quentrao so much. Like I really, really have a man crush yeah. on him. I I love when he comes up on the podcast. I also just uh, the thing with Quentrao was always that. Some people have this misconception of him that he was the defensive left back and Marcelo was the offensive left back. The only reason why that he has that label is because there were many, many games under Mourinho where he was instructed to stay back. But with the Portuguese national team or when he was allowed to express himself offensively with Real Madrid, he was really, really good going forward. I, I really like Contra. Yeah, it was a shame that he only last for two three seasons in Madrid I thought because you know even he even even his season when in 2013-14 when Ancelotti was uh, making his debut as Real Madrid's coach I he was pretty much the starter in for Real Madrid all season long Marcelo came off the bench in in Lisbon Coentrao started in the crucial semi-finals against Bayern so Coentrao yeah. was great I thought I think he's an underrated player in in that particular stretch of uh, of years although I have to admit that it's obviously it was a very short tenure for him in in Madrid I I think that he only lasted for like two three seasons yeah well phys- physically he was not he just was he was never going to be able to sustain that because he he was always injured. His body broke down, and um, I don't I I don't know if he took care of himself that well. I I think it's fair to say that yeah he was uh, he was comfortable with smoking a lot and drinking a lot, and and he also yeah, got injured. But a lot. it's just yeah, but Kian, it's a shame that he <clears throat> kind of went down as this meme player, like Faubert and and all Gravesen and all and all these guys. Just because of this smoking thing and these pictures of him in hospital and quotes of him saying that he wants that he uh, ate uh, fast food and all that, I think it's uh, it's uh, underappreciating the kind of player he was for this short period of time. But I thought he was he was phenomenal for the, in those years. He shouldn't be. There's no no universe where he should be at any table with with any of those players you mentioned, like yeah. like Gravison and Faubert. He was. He's one of the best left backs in club history at his peak. If we're talking about just only peak, it was yeah. he's one of the best. Um, but also, when you mentioned memes, you didn't mention one of the my favorite moments, which was that day when he came on the bench when he's not even in the squad and Casillas. Ah, is yeah, yeah, and yeah. He's like, "You're not supposed to be here." <coughs> great, yeah, great. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, all right, yeah. that was we kind of deviated a little bit, but my point yeah, was exactly. this is not normal for Real Madrid to have zero production offensively from their fullbacks. And I think a lot of people, so Mendy, I think some of the criticism on Mendy is a little bit harsh 
myself included, like I definitely did not hold back on a lot of Mendy. Like, although I, I thought he was actually our best defender up until the point he made that mistake at Ceramica. I know it's a low standard, but whatever. He was actually playing well. But people are not going to remember some some challenges that he made and stuff. They're going to remember that he his pass and then his own goal that bounced off and went in the net. Uh, but more importantly, the fact that he doesn't contribute anything offensively. And I think a lot of people will say, the ones who really, really want to defend him, they'll say, you can't only be talking about the offensive side of things. Defense is important. And my response to that would be, if you had... Uh, an attacking right back on the other side, fine. You can't have both flanks not attacking. It just doesn't work. With, like we need, like this is Ram just history has always had some of the best attacking wingbacks of all time. And if not all time in the world at that moment, it's really important for the way Ram just play. And, and I would say any modern football team, the way they want to play, you need production from your fullbacks. Um, if you want to have one that's more defensive minded than the other, I think that's that's it's more feasible. If you had if you had Pete Carvajal on the other side, it works to have Mendy more defensive. It doesn't necessarily work when you, you have an older Carvajal who can't do the same things offensively anymore. And that's where I think the, the point of emphasis needs to be made. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I agree. And this is this is something we we discussed a little bit when when Real Madrid decided not to uh, buy back Atraf, I thought that Atraf would have been a perfect fit with Mendy on the other flank. Like nobody would worry about Mendy's lack of offensive production if Real Madrid had a player like Atraf on the other flank. But again, this is obviously a ship that has sailed already. And about Mendy, to me, it's not so much that he doesn't do anything offensively. It's the fact that he actually hurts Vinicius's game. Uh, yeah. Like. He does. <clears throat> if Vinicius were to be a right winger and were to be on the same field as Militao, for example, who is a clearly defensive-minded oriented uh, wingback when deployed there, I think that not even in that kind, not even with that kind of partner, Vinicius would have such a terrible chemistry and uh, like. I would be fine with Mendy staying back. The problem with Mendy is that he tries to do something offensively and actually brings two or three help defenders towards Vinicius. Like, he's hurting Vinicius' game so much that, uh, you know, I can only accept... Well, not accept. Accept is a very harsh word. I can only see a player like him uh, starting for Real Madrid and hurting Vinicius' game so much if he's basically a proof... Uh, a error-proof player on the defensive side of things, and Mendy hasn't been that kind of player uh, all this season. This is my main issue with Mendy, is that the fact that he's not as defensively great and and, and solid as he was, and but he's still hurting Vinicius' game so much, even though he's been playing with him for the last two or three seasons, you definitely hoped that these two guys should have and would have created some kind of chemistry by playing together for the last two or three seasons, but they haven't. So we'll just have to wait and see what Real Madrid decides to do with uh, with Mendy because right now it doesn't look pretty, definitely. Okay, so um, you bring up some good points. I also want to point out that it's not just a, like, it's not just a Mendy problem. Like, And I think 
as you put it, if you have Mendy, or let's not even, I'm not even going to mention Mendy. If you had a fullback who's making those overloads and underloads constantly in the final third, it's a presence that drags defenders away for Vinicius. You can rewatch that via Real game. You can watch the rewatch the Valladolid game or any game basically in the past year. Vinicius's job is to somehow find space when there's three, four defenders focusing on him. It's not easy. Um, that and also maybe coupled with the fact that Alaba's not doing that thing as much. He's doing it a little bit, but as much as he did last season, where he would switch with Mendy and go in the final third. Yeah, and yeah. also Benzema's form. It's a combination of a few different things. Although I would argue Benzema's link-up play has been good. It's more like his finishing is not on point as it was last season. It's a combination of all those things that are that are making Vinicius um, struggle a little bit in certain situations. And here's my question to you. What is the likelihood that and what is stopping Real Madrid to just bring Fran Garcia back right now? We have until the 31st of January, I think, right? I think that's the case, yeah. Unless, unless you know, there's a clause in the co- in the contract saying that these moves can only be made during the summer transfer window, which would make sense considering, you know, such a small club like Rayo Vallecano. It would, it would create somewhat of a problem for them to force them to sell uh, Fran Garcia to Real Madrid this winter. So maybe this is what uh, is kind of, you know, forcing Real Madrid to stay put <clears throat> with their current uh, left-back situation because, uh, as you mentioned, it makes total sense to me to, to bring Fran Garcia right now and and f- for those just $5 million and just let him try to build some chemistry with Vinicius in, against some of these weaker opposition that Real Madrid will be facing in the next couple of weeks. But again, it will create somewhat of a problem for Rayo to find a replacement for him in the market right now, especially considering that they're a very small club. So this is maybe why Real Madrid aren't going for it. Well, my heart bleeds for Rayo Vallecano in a situation. I will lose so much sleep. Oh my God, poor Rayo. <laughs> Look, I think... Um, I just see it as a zero-risk situation to bring him in. And I'm not even asking for Fran Garcia to start every game. I'm asking for options. I'm asking that, like, I'm not even advocating for Mendy to be benched. Like, if I'm facing Liverpool in February, if I had Fran Garcia in the squad, I'd probably still start Mendy. I'm not even, I'm not even asking for this. I'm not asking for Mendy to be demoted. I'm asking for options, and I'm asking for us to see different looks and have different options against so many different La Liga teams where you just a week in week out grind. We do need offensive production in those games. If you want to do the Marcelo Cohen trial thing and have Cohen trial or mentally start those bigger games for defensive purposes, do it. I'm by no means against that. I think Mendy is still one of the best, despite some of these defensive mistakes he's made this season. But I, I think the club needs options. It's thin. It's, it's thin right now at the fullback position. And basically, we have a bunch of center backs who who will play wing back if needed. Alaba, Nacho, Rudiger, Militao. These are not fullbacks. They're not fullbacks. You know, yeah. Vasquez no, is not really. a fullback. He's been converted <clears throat> to one. 
But how is this our option? Yeah. We need options. Morales, Morales pretty much destroyed him the other day in just 10 minutes of play. Vázquez. Uh, uh, mm. As you mentioned, Carvajal and Mendy are the only two pure uh, fullbacks on the squad. And not even when those two are available, you have uh, an ideal squad in, in terms of offensive production against low blocks and all that. So, you know, these options of Nacho... I'm fine with Alaba. I think I think Alaba would be better with an extended run in that in that kind of position. But this is not something Ancelotti is considering, so I don't know why we should be talking about it. Uh, I mean, he's started Rudiger in that position ahead of Alaba in in some occasions this season. So, and definitely Rudiger is not an option for that spot either. So, it's just something that you know is hurting. Real Madrid so much against slow blocks uh, this season, so I would also like uh, to to have some more options for for right now for this second half of the season. But in case Real Madrid decide to stay put, which seems likely at the moment, I think this is a must for next uh, transfer window. This is something Real Madrid just must address in next uh, summer's transfer window. Bo- both flanks, to be honest, both the right and the, and the left flank, although I don't know how that will go because it's clear that uh, there are no many options available in the market either. Every single backup wing back we have in the squad is pure football terrorism. Like, it's... <laughs> like, think about, like, think about all the names that have been suggested by our fans over the past few months. Remember, like, when, when, first of all, when Lucas Vasquez was promoted, that was not his best position. Fede Valverde, right back, terrorism. Antonio Rudiger started that Clásico in Las Vegas at left back, terrorism. Kamavinga playing left back for France, terrorism. All of this is just football terrorism. These are not wingbacks. None of these guys are wingbacks. Just backs. play Odrio Zola and be done with it. <laughs> oh, I, I think Odrio Zola is... I don't a, know. I, I don't know why... No, he's not good, Lucas. Look, he's not good. He's not good enough. I, I is he not better than Lucas Vasquez for that spot? I know. I don't think he is, in my opinion. In some in in some contexts, still maybe. In, in some contexts against you know against these low blocks, I'm not talking about covering Jeremy Pino. I'm not talking about uh, covering Morales. I'm talking about you know potentially the other day against Valladolid. If if, if Carvajal hadn't been available. You know, maybe Odrio Zola would have been more useful than Vázquez in that kind of context. But <clears throat> obviously, you know, people is so discouraged about uh, Odrio Zola. But I, I don't know. It's not that Real Madrid's plan A is working very well at the moment. So I might as well try what Odrio Zola can do again in this specific context. I don't know. I have a couple, couple things on Odrio Zola. One is that um, I will say this about him. <clears throat> it's really fast and can get to diagonal switches of, of like if Cruz is, is hitting those diagonal balls to the right side, he yeah. can make those runs into the final third at the very least and be a presence there for sure. And he was good with Fiorentina offensively last season. 100%. Defense is, is terrible. Um, I am very surprised that we decided that everyone thought it was a good idea for him to come back from Fiorentina. Because if I we're just, not planning on using him, 
why like he was a, had a good situation there they had a tactical setup that suited him because they played three at the black back he didn't have to defend as much and it, it, he was happy it was good for his career they seemed to to like him there why did we bring him back that that probably was a bad idea he probably felt he kind of earned his chance to play a little bit more than he did before which which to be honest he probably did like again he I think he can produce more offensively on against a low block than Rudiger on Nacho, who are thrown at yeah. that position, you know. And I think those two would play ahead of Odriozola in this specific context we're talking about against low blocks and and smaller teams. I think Ancelotti, if uh, if <clears throat> if required, because both Carvajal and Nacho aren't available, or uh, Carvajal and and Basket, sorry, aren't available or fresh. I think both Nacho and Rudiger would be ahead than Odriozola in this context, and I don't think that's good for the team. I think Odriozola can contribute more in this specific context than than these two guys. So I think he's been a little bit underused uh, so far this season, given the struggles Real Madrid have faced uh, from from both uh, from both flanks. Because as you mentioned, you can you can. If you have Mendy on the other flank, you can you can play Odriozola on the right in pretty, against pretty much every team in La Liga. I'm not talking about the big powerhouses in the Champions League or big away games in the Champions League or in La Liga against Atletico away, against Valencia away. I'm not talking about those cases. I'm talking about smaller teams, low blocks, a specific context. If you're playing with your two centre-backs and Mendy on the left, you can manage playing Odriozola on the right for sure. And I think this option that Real Madrid have underused a little bit for my taste. I'm, I'm not a fan of Fudriozola, not by any means, but again, I think he can produce more offensively than than some players who are ahead of him in the rotation right now. Yeah, I think underused might be fair. I think, but if Carvajal and Vasquez are your one and two, then there's only going to be so much playing time left over for Fudriozola. For and also, the thing with him is that and again, it's coming from someone who watched a lot of Fiorentina last season. He's he's not like like we think of him like okay, he can he can attack, but he can't defend. When I say he can attack, just to be very clear, he can he can't. It's not like a Marcelo offense. It's not even close. Obvious. It's not like an Ashraf Hakimi offense. It's not a TAA offense. It's average. It's okay. It's passable. Like it's it's he's fine. He's just not, he's not going to be a difference maker. Um, you know, his, his Real Sociedad days are long gone where he was really, really good offensively. It's just not the same player anymore. And so I guess it's just, I'm, I'm, you know, I think it's, it's valid, I suppose, in some level to say he's underused. I can see that, but he's, he's not going to be, he's not going to change anything. Yeah. Um, so I guess that's, that's my, my, my proposal is bring or bring Fran Garcia back now. I don't think Real Madrid will do it just because of the relationship thing with with Rayo. It's not even in the in the reports in the Spanish press or anything like that. So I think that there's two options here. One, this clause can only be activated during the summer, which might be logic and and reasonable in my opinion and option number two is that even if Real Madrid could actually bring him back right now 
you know, Real Madrid don't want to mess the relationship with Rayo Vallecano just in case they are willing to take on other young players in the in the near future. Um, any other notes you ha you wanted to talk about from the game itself, or did you want to move on to a couple of other things? From the game itself, I think was pretty poor from Real Madrid, and just I just. It's not time to push the panic button just yet, but I think there are valid concerns about how Real Madrid has uh, returned from the World Cup break. I think, I think we need to keep keep an eye on 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 how Real Madrid play over the next two, three, four games, because the last three games post World Cup break have been encouraging. Even though obviously Real Madrid managed to beat Valladolid and and Cacereño not in a very convincing or encouraging fashion in my opinion so i would like i would like for real madrid to pick it up a little bit but it won't be easy without uh Chouameni and and alaba just hoping that this allows kamabinga to play a little bit more minutes than what he's playing at the moment i think he can provide a breath of fresh air that is much needed at the moment for madrid uh Chiumeni and Alaba injured, not in the squad for the Copa Super Copa game. Alaba's out for what, like twenty days or so, I think. Yeah, it should be three, four weeks. Yeah. Do we have a timeline for Chiumeni? Mm, not really, but I'm guessing it will be pretty much the same. It will be the standard uh, muscle injury for Real Madrid here. I but they're obviously out of uh, of the next two slash three games, depending on whether Real Madrid managed to advance against Valencia or not. Like, they will certainly miss the next week's match against Villarreal in the Copa del Rey as well. Maybe Chuameni has a chance of being available for San Mames, but I don't think that's uh, that's the place you want to throw him uh, recently recovered from, from injuries. So I'm just guessing that he won't be back until after that match in Bilbao, I, I'm guessing that Real Madrid will have to play their next three slash four games, depending on what happens in the Spanish Super Cup semifinal, without both uh, Alaba and Chouameni. Um, I thought we could just, like, uh, there's a couple, like, just, there's, I mean, it's big news, but with with regard to how we'll just break it down in the podcast, I think we can touch on each subject briefly. Um, starting with Gareth Bale announcing his retirement. I kind of, I don't know how much to say right now or what to say, partly because I feel like we've only done the Bale tribute thing before. We've talked about everything we need to talk about when he left Real Madrid. And so in some ways, that to me was the retirement. Now it's official. Yeah. He's announced it. But I feel like I've already said what there needs to be said. We did an entire tribute podcast on him already. But did, did you have anything you wanted to talk about? Not really. I think it was the right time for him to retire. I think he's been retired, quote unquote, retired from for the last two or three seasons. So it's the right move for him to 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 be done with football after the the World Cup, which was his biggest target for the last few years or so. So I think it's the right move for him. He's only thirty three, I think. So some might consider it a, a little bit early, but. <clears throat> Uh, taking a look at how his career has gone for the last seasons, I think it's the right time for him to to move on and and you know do something else. Just uh, if there's anything I need to add, 
I guess I'll just reiterate very quickly what I already said. And I, I put the, the Matt and I did an entire tribute episode on bail in the summertime, June 7th, 2022. You can go listen to that. I've also put it on my Twitter. Um, someone, he is one of the greats. Like it's indisputable whether you want to look at the numbers, the trophies, the clutch performances, truly, truly incredible athlete and footballer. And it was a joy to watch him play. I just want to add a, one more thing. Re- the more I reflect on, the more the time passes to me is legacy only improves. Someone asked me on Instagram last night, uh, who was better at their peak specifically Bale or Figo. And I love Figo as much as anyone at his peak was unplayable. The numbers, even at their peaks, aren't even close. Like Bale's best season and Figo's best season ever, Bale's goal and assists tally is like double of Figo's. It gets the numbers don't aren't aren't close. That's how good he was. And so different you know, roles though, Kian. I'm just talking about like as a right winger who was expected to produce offense, Bale was better. Yeah, but Bale was inverted, you know, more opportunities to shoot, to attack overall. Figo was a pure winger. I don't think... But I'm talking, even the assist numbers are, are in Bale's favor. Even the creative element to it, you know? I'm not I'm not a fan of comparing different uh, eras, different teammates, different... Uh, you know, I, I, I'm not sure it's that clear of a debate, of an argument between peak Bale and peak Figo, just because, again, it's easy to, to pick up a seat when you're playing with Cristiano Ronaldo and, and Benzema, and it's definitely easier to score goals when you're an inverted winger than rather than a pure winger like Figo was. On the other hand, Figo also was taking penalties, so I, I just think it's closer than, than people probably realize, and I'm not a fan of looking at numbers to try to decide these discussions because, you know, different eras, different teammates, different style of play, different different football overall. So it's, uh, it's just something that I'm not totally comfortable with it. But in this particular debate, I think that Peak Figo was really, really close to Peak Vale at, at the very least. And, and I'm, not, I'm not even sure if Peak Figo is the the version Real Madrid got to see from uh, from him? I think Big Figo maybe was his his last season in, or, or even the the second to last season in in Barcelona. And I'm not sure which uh, which player was was better, but Bale definitely one of the greats. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like uh, Peak Peak Figo was really his last two years at Barcelona and his first year at Real yeah. Madrid. Those, <laughs> Those three years yeah. specifically, he was unplayable. Uh, but I mean, I even I even factored in his best Barcelona year when looking at those numbers, and I, it's fine. I'm not I'm not going to say like it's a landslide bail victory, but just to put things into perspective, I mean the the numbers are are there. So if you want to say you prefer Figo or or Bale was slightly better, that's fine. I, but I just want to put that in perspective. That's how good Bale was. That, oh know. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, his his last his last few years in Madrid shouldn't. Uh, damage his legacy that much. Like I realized that obviously some of some part of it is rightfully damaged or tarnished or whatever you want to call it because of these last two three seasons because of all the controversy and all that. His legacy as a player and his legacy in Real Madrid, but not as much as 
not admitting that he was one of the greats. Yeah. The whole Zidane thing, Benzema thing, French football president. I don't have much to say on this other than the French football president is, excuse my language, is an idiot and old and senile, old-fashioned, dumb. And when he says, quote, I wouldn't pick up the phone when Zidane, if Zidane called, is really not the flex you think it is because you would be... I'm not even sure if you'd be even worthy of a five-second phone call with that man who was one of the greatest figures in football history, who, by the way, is not just great on the pitch, is a complete class act, never talks shit about anyone, um, barely talks. When he talks, everybody listens. This has been well-documented by every single one of his former teammates. And on top of that, like this whole apology that he put out is nonsense. It's a backtrack. It's a terrible apology, and it's a backtrack because he faced backlash on it. He's, that's it. That's all I got to say. You, whatever you want to add to this. As soon as you have your biggest star right now, who is uh, Mbappé, apart from Benzema, who is obviously the reigning Ballon winner. As soon as you have your biggest star uh, putting up a tweet, uh, criticizing and, and asking for respect uh, for a legend like, uh, like Zidane, you know the your your initial comment backfired. He was also uh, the main protagonist on Lekip's uh, cover today, so he obviously uh, got what he deserved when he made that comment. Because obviously French people don't want to read any kind of uh, criticism on, ben, on on Zidane, especially if it's done that way. You know, if it's uh, totally unca- uncalled for and and unnecessary because I Zidane didn't make make a single quote about it, and it was so uncalled for that he got what he what he wanted when when he made that comment. Definitely, yeah. Um, it's a the the only good thing that came out of this to me is just that the outpouring of support, obviously, that Zidane and, and Benzema got from from everyone. I'm glad that Real Madrid not only decided to support Zidane, which is uh, also a, 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 something great to see because this is not something Real Madrid were very accustomed to doing in when Zidane was the coach. But uh, <clears throat> I'm also glad that they defended Benzema because I didn't like the his quote about Benzema either, although he said yeah. that he admires his career, that Benzema is a great player. He was very unlucky because he got injured and all that. The part where he says that, you know, on the other hand, we got to see a team w- w- with Giroud and uh, maybe we wouldn't have scored this many goals had Benzema been on the field is, again, so uncalled for, uh, uncalled for and unnecessary that I'm glad that Real Madrid also decided to to, to support Benzema on their, on their statement. People like him are just not intelligent enough to know that just don't talk. Some people, the more the microphone is handed to them, the worse they make everything. Just He is one of those guys that just needs to not talk ever, ever. It would make everything better for him. Um, do we need to talk about anything else? No, I think, uh, as you mentioned, he he needs to, to, to be quiet a little bit more when, when asked about the last two Ballon d'Or winners for France, who are also incredibly beloved figures in in yeah. France as a country you know it's we're not even talking 
talking about Platini, who is obviously a Ballon d'Or winner for France, but he's not as beloved as, as both Zidane and, and Benzema are. So it's just really, really not intelligent to, to criticize uh, these two guys in such an uncalled for fashion as, as he did. So, yeah. yeah, lesson learned, I guess. Next time he's asked about both Benzema and Zidane, he won't, he won't be messing with them. Well, yeah, it's 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 insane on, on so many levels. Lucas, let's wrap it up here. Um, you and I will be back on Thursday, which of course is the day after Real Madrid play against Valencia in the Supercopa and also happens to be mailbag day. So if you want to submit your questions to Lucas and I, you can do that through our Discord channel or through Patreon. And if you want to access the episode itself after the question is submitted, of course, patreon.com slash managingdrid. It goes up only there once per week in addition to the other bonus content we do there. Lucas, thanks for your time, my friend. Hope you have a fantastic Monday. We'll chat on Thursday. Thank you. Yes, sir. You too. Bye. Thanks for listening. And before we wrap it up here, we wanted to give a quick shout out to our patrons over on patreon.com slash managing Madrid and specifically to our $10 plus patrons because if you pledge $10 or more per month, you not only get access to everything and not only get guaranteed responses to your questions you also get a specific shout out at the podcast so shout out to our ten dollar plus patrons as follows brandon alvarez willie reed will susa way pairing tobias royal botcher talib salhab tahmid kalam sushank damala sujai wani sumanchu singh sheikh hatiri shamil sergio arispe santos solorsano samuel justin samar z Said Mahad, Sai Mohan, Sasi Kumar, Rodrigo Balmaceda, Rishi D, Phoenix, Peter Powell, uh, Paulo Fierro, Patrick Odayafari, Oscar Barrera, Nico Laxo, Nicholas Moeller, Nick Ribeiro, Mowgli, MJ Diego, Michael Zinberg, Marin Myrtle, Matthew Atkins, Martin Ridman, Magnus Lext, Logan Stahl, Leon Savernakis, Kunal Tilakar, Crystal Glass, Kevin Rivera, Jose Cruz, John Fernandez, Jason Fitz, Ian Marley, Graham Gerard, Gary Cohut, Frederick Rantakiro, Frederick Sundros, Faisal Hamdan, S.A. Davisito, Eloy Enriquez, Edward Sossman, Daniel Williams, Khan P., Christian Toth, Krishna Costa, Charles Williams, Brendan Powers, Brandon Stevens, Ashik Bashar, Arnab Mukherjee, Armand Gashi, Armando L, Anirudh Singh, Ananya Kumar, Azaz Hussein, Adrian Rios, Adar Zalukovic, Adam Dorsey, Varun, Fabian Moreno, and Daniel Smith. We love you guys so much. Thank you so much for your support. Thanks for being a part of this family. And Hala Marir.